0: Bottom line up front, what are you going to hear about and learn about in this episode? I interviewed Andrew Sharp, data governance lead at the consulting company, The Oakland Group. So some key takeaways or thoughts from Andrew's point of view. Number one, governance changes necessary for data mesh are both a threat and an opportunity. Are you throwing away the good with the bad? Or can you reinvent your practices broadly to do governance better in general? and clean out bad habits and approaches when moving to a federated model. Number two, this one I think is controversial, kind of controversial. eh. Of the four pillars of data mesh, governance is the most challenging and least mature. A fair number of people are saying this, but I think it's, uh, it's a little controversial to say that right now. Number three, there are no roadmaps to doing federated governance for data mesh well, and likely there can't really be a specific roadmap for all, as every organization is different. People are just starting to find their way on how to do governance and data mesh well at all, and people will need to explore specific to their organization. Number four, is is this one controversial? Eh. Data mesh will likely require a seismic or maybe a tectonic is the better phrase, shift in the way we approach data governance. That doesn't mean organizations have to completely change it all at once. That is overly high risk, but it probably won't work if we just try small shifts to our governance approach instead of those kind of small steps leading to a large movement. Number five, many organizations are already not doing data governance very well in general. So adding in the complexity of data mesh and fi- finding entirely new ways of working when the current state isn't great, that is going to add additional challenges for many organizations on their data mesh journey. Kind of be ready for that. Number six, try to build momentum around positive organizational changes for governance and make sure people are bought into that kind of test, learn, iterate model Or change is going to be much more difficult than it needs to be, data mesh or not. Number seven, around data ownership. People generally really understand why data ownership is important. But often, it's hard to get domains to truly take that ownership. And many of them don't understand what good data ownership means and entails it's necessary to explain why they are the best owner and what owning data actually means. Number eight, there's already a shortage of people who are actually data governance capable, and that's likely to get worse as data mesh creates more demand. It remains to be seen if we need embedded governance professionals in each domain or if making existing people in the domain governance capable will work. Basically, is this full-time roles, or, or is this capabilities, responsibilities as part of other roles? We don't know which will win yet. I kind of think it'll be a mix across a lot of different organizations. Number nine, existing data governance professionals will need to learn and adapt to keep pace in a data mesh world. Governance won't be exactly how it has been for years, But there are lots of opportunities for governance capable people who also understand some of the more technical aspects of doing data governance. You can teach the required tech aspects to willing governance people, but they have to be willing. Number 10, is this one controversial? There has been a shift, sometimes a large shift, towards more technical aspects in many people's governance roles. But that is likely more of a pendulum swing instead of a permanent shift to more tech than non-technical. So a note from myself, focusing on the technical and not all the other aspects, just like in the rest of data, it will result in very subpar value realization of your data. It's where data engineering often goes wrong. Number 11, another one that could be controversial, there is a misconception that central data governance team goes away completely when everything is federated, data mesh or not. But that's more purely decentralized. The reality will be somewhere in between full central control, like most organizations have been doing data governance, and fully decentralized. And that balance, we still have to discover what works best. And every organization, again, will be different. Number 12, in physics, there's this concept of a distribution of load. Instead of one central team doing all the heavy lifting or one person doing all the heavy lifting, you distribute it out to far more people and they each have a smaller load to lift. And combined, they can lift these very, very heavy loads. So the central team shifts to focusing on the coordination and bigger picture. Just because you've been lifting heavy as a central team and can do it, doesn't mean you should, doesn't mean that's where you add the most value. And finally, number 13, it's a valid and common strategy to not rush into data mesh. Many are testing and learning at a smaller scale rather than jumping in with both feet. They're testing, learning, iterating, and then reflecting. There isn't some arbitrary timetable for doing large scale changes like data mesh requires. Take your time, find your pace. Okay, enough of just me, let's hear from our awesome guest in this interview episode. Very excited for today's episode. I've got Andrew Sharp here, who is the data governance lead at the Oakland Group, which is a consulting company. Um, And we're going to be talking about a lot of things data governance related, you know, since he's the data governance lead there. (laughs) And so uh, we're going to talk about, you know, what does data governance really mean? Like, what does it really look like in data mesh? Is it like a slight shift or is it a big seismic move? how data governance recruitment is actually changing, right? People used to just kind of fall into it. Now we're going to look at being more intentional and what that actually means and, and how we can actually um, use that to our advantage on the data governance side. Um, when looking at data mesh, turning our governance around, is it a U-turn? Is that in a car or is that more of an aircraft carrier? Where you, need, you know, Can you do it on a simple road or is it more of a, um, you know, you need three miles to turn it around. How, how do we look at doing that in an appropriate way? And then the central governance teams in a lot of organizations have had a lot of control. You know, for some people, they want to push that control out as fast as possible, but in a lot of others, that's not really the case. People don't usually give up control very easily. So are they really ready? Um, if yes, how can they actually do that in a kind of staggered and and uh, reasonable way instead of again just kind of you now own it okay I'm bye <laughs> you know I'm, I'm going on vacation or uh, I'm out so um, but before we we get to that Andrew if you don't mind if you could give people a bit of background on yourself and then we can jump into the conversation at the end
1: thank you very much Scott and really excited to be on this uh, podcast this afternoon um, so I'm Andrew Sharp. I'm based out of the UK. I work for an organization called the Oakland Group, which is a data consultancy. We do a lot of build, design, development for a whole range of small to medium-sized organizations who need to build out their data capability. Data governance is an absolute integral part of that. Um, Prior to coming on board with the oakland group i've worked in a number of different industries ranging from utilities through to financial services online retailing um so i'm a little bit long in the tooth um having fallen into data governance about 10 15 years ago so data mesh is obviously the new thing on the block and it's really really uh, Exciting to be able to sort of kick that issue around this afternoon because I think it represents quite a significant number of challenges for the data governance community going forward. So, um, yeah, I think I think we've got uh, plenty of debate to get through this afternoon and, and over the coming weeks and months as well.
0: Yeah, and, and I think one thing with or that I'm trying to embrace, especially with the podcast, is that we don't have it all figured out. It's not that, you know, Jamak has put out the book and therefore everybody can just you know, and say, this is your blueprint because we, one, we don't know the patterns yet. And two, it's going to be different for every organization. So I think like popping it up to that higher level and say, okay, you know, this isn't the single way versus like, here are the signposts or here here's the way to look at it and to shape it relative to your own organization is, is really important because too long in data, it seems like, there have been people who have said this is the way to do it instead of like let's have conversations and figure it out together and, and and I like that that approach a little bit more
1: yeah absolutely and I think in my mind and I probably I'm biased but I think the, the governance principle is probably the most challenging of the four in many ways um, probably the least mature and I would concur with what you've just said there Scott that um, we don't have a template um, or a sort of definitive roadmap on this and neither should we to sort of say this is how you do it and we're still finding our way through as to how this would work best for organizations but um, we've got a few stakes in the ground as to how we can start exploring you know the best best way forward for for an organization.
0: Yeah I would say the first pillar of of domain ownership can be uh, more challenging in certain organizations, but I would say that's the people, people challenge versus like, this is the structural challenge. This is the conceptual challenge, right? Like it's not difficult uh, as a concept to say, domains, you now own the data. It's difficult <laughs> in a lot of organizations to get them to do that. But there's so many aspects of governance. I, I kind of hate the phrase data governance in a way because it's it's intimidating and, and it's all encompassing of so many different sub aspects that are kind of their own thing. And it's just kind of been, it's, it's not been given enough love. Like even, even if you look at Jemak's original article, it doesn't have it as the fourth pillar. It's that this came out and saying, everyone's saying, well, how do we do governance? How do we do governance? And that's where it's like, okay. She's like, I I know I need to focus on this. I know I need to really um, elevate this, but it, it is something that's, Long been relegated into a thing of oh yeah it's something we've got to do but not that we want to do and this can really like data governance and data mesh this is where you add the most value right uh, like- I, I,
1: I, absolutely um, if you if you nail this then you you've basically nailed data mesh but you know that shouldn't take away from the fact that this is going to be hard um, and. You're right. This this is the least mature probably of the the four principles. I think um, it's worth sort of making the point that in the sort of classic data mess principles it, it talks around federated computational governance. It doesn't use the term data governance, but people have latched on to it being data governance and the the pure federated approach is where you've actually above the d- data domains you've worked out what you need to do from a governance point of view and you almost deploy it through automated means into the domains and across the organisation and and that and that is hard how how do you actually do that how do you Conceptually, sort of apply governance above the sort of data domain level is 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 in itself a, a big challenge. And I think that the killer point is an awful lot of organisations aren't doing data governance in its classic sense particularly well at the moment. So, data mesh affords both a threat and an opportunity for many organisations because it's a threat that hey, if you can't do this in in the classic structure then what hope have you got in the new world but by the same token in the new world it might afford an opportunity to actually sweep away some of those things that have been obstacles in the past to actually move it forward in a way that perhaps uh, you you've been able unable to do in, in the current structures so so yeah um i think it's going to be an interesting you know Period as as data mesh evolves as to how how the governance layer is is, is going to manifest itself.
0: Well, and, and I think um, Mohammed Sayed and I, when we we had an episode um, back like a <laughs> hundred plus episodes ago, um, we were talking about kind of the micro and the macro, right? So when you think about the the macro of data governance, it's at the organizational level. And then we've got this kind of micro level that it's different kind of for each domain. And I don't think we've had that approach because centralized governance, or or you've had decentralized instead of federated, right? Decentralized is like kind of do it yourself. You've got uh, got autonomy, but you've got like autonomy instead of agency, right? Like autonomy is just kind of, we're going to give you the capability to, or we're going to give you the permission to do it instead of we're going to work with you to make sure that we're headed in the right direction, but we're going to give you the freedom to do it kind of in the way that you want, as long as you're meeting kind of those macro needs. And so do you think that, data governance and data mesh is a real seismic shift? Or do you think like, if you're looking at it from the whole picture standpoint, it is like a a very different, you know, you're, you're looking at north, and we're now going to be shifting east, maybe not going full south, or maybe even northeast. So the picture is quite different. But each individual kind of micro level, it's more minor shifts, but it's that, you know, that whole picture changes, or do you think of it as it is a seismic shift in total? Or like how do you start to think about that question? No,
1: great question. Personally, I think if data mesh is deployed in the way that I think we, we conceive it as being, I think it could be quite a seismic shift rather than it being a little bit of a tweak on the dial. Um I think that though is predicated on where some organizations are with their data governance agenda, but I th- I, th- I see it much more as a seismic shift. Um, you know, you're pointing north and it might actually need you to go south to do it justice going forward rather than it being tweaks on a dial. Um, and, and I may 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 be proven wrong on that, but certainly all, all the evidence, I think, is pointing to something far more significant than uh, perhaps we'll tweak this or, or change that going forward.
0: Do you think that you can get there via incrementalism? So like there has been um, this question of when there is something with a heavy amount of gravity, incrementalism, you're constantly straining, straining, straining. But like when you think about, uh, you know, and so it's very, very difficult to really make change because you're just, you know, you're that Sisyphus and you're just constantly trying to push it up the hill. And so you're just like, okay, I'm just going to smash the rock. But when you think about um, learning or anything like that, it's not that you go from zero to one hundred in a day. And so, like, it's not that we've got a green field from an organizational standpoint where you go, we, we you know, I mean, maybe you don't have any governance and you get that chance to really put it in place, and somebody who doesn't have that has some advantages and obviously some disadvantages because they don't know how to do governance. But when you're looking at, these organizations are are running, right? It's not (laughs) that that somebody is just going from day one, or hopefully nobody's going from day one, we're going to do data mesh. um, That, how do you think about getting them, if they do have to do that seismic shift, that complete shift, Like, how do you look at starting to move them in that direction is it to to say okay we're going to break off this single domain and we're going to work with this domain and we're going to treat it as a completely kind of holistic approach for that domain and as we learn then we deploy wider to the organization or do we say we're going to shift the entire central thing and then we're going to start with this one domain like how would you think that works
1: i think the actual Doing it step by step is is the only way in which you're going to get that kind of seismic change. Um, I don't think you can do a what we would call a big bang. Um, I think because it's so reliant on people, it's so reliant on process changes. I think a logical place to start would be well, where where can we get the biggest bang for our buck, and and almost build it out from there. But um, it's a multi-year journey you know you're not going to get this shift given it is so seismic in in a in a big bang a big hit um, I think um, and I think that's been proven um, in all the organizations that I've worked for and been involved in that actually doing data governance everybody talks about cultural change and it being significant and very few people are able to do it without doing sort of incremental steps and working out what things they can drive the most benefit from initially and then build on that um, so that you almost build up some positive momentum to take it forward rather than trying to say, we're going to do this collectively across the organisation. that That's probably where, you know, 10, 12 years ago, I was in one or two organisations where they thought they could do it that way and it, it, it just didn't work because there's too many moving parts and complexity to actually do it. But I think you need to stick to your guns, appreciate you're going to get some rocks and u turns in, in, in the road as you go, but in the knowledge that you're going to have to move significantly Um, over a number of years to get to where you need to be. But focus on the areas that you you know as an organization you can get the biggest benefit from.
0: And I think that's one thing, an underlying point that you're making here that I think a lot of people miss sight of is because everybody's in such a hurry, is that um, you've got time. This is not a, you have to go from, facing north to facing south the next day and that you have to completely destroy everything you've done because one, that's going to cause chaos. It's going to cause a a lot of issues, but like taking your time and that you're not going to get it right from the start. So if all of a sudden you're trying to face north and you just try and jump around and face south, you're going to get so many things so wrong instead of like you can test and learn and iterate along the way, which we haven't done very well in data historically, because the cost of doing that has been so high of getting anything wrong. But like with, if we adopt kind of agile, you know, approaches and mentality and things like that of, okay, we're going to test, we're going to iterate, we're going to see what works. And like, You know, I say when you're starting with your governance, a lot of times you should look at just kind of CYA and then add value, like, you know, cover your butt, make sure you don't, you don't get a foul of any regulators, (laughs) don't do anything kind of out that you're not supposed to do. But beyond that, just look for that adding value and, and building up that positive momentum. Have you found that that positive momentum really i mean you know when you think about kind of uh physics or anything like that if you're if you've got like a spoke system or whatever if you're trying to push at the very very edge you're barely shifting the center is that good or is that bad is that something where there's there's a lot of pushback from the central team or
1: and it, it varies i mean some organizations you do get pushback from the center and others it's it's probably the easiest thing in the world because they're already bought into it so it is an area where there's a lot of um it depends on the organization basically as to where the actual focus um should be um i think some organizations are better than others um Quite often, it's uh, one of those things which um, comes naturally. But um, yeah, I think I think there's a you need an acceptance that this is this this needs test and learn. It needs people to you know. Try things, and certain things will work better than others. And certain things people will discount, and actually will work far better than than others. So it's it varies on the organisation, but um, I think the clients that are the smartest at doing this realise you aren't going to turn turn this thing around overnight, and you do it through a proof of concept, or you do it through a a mechanism that works for that organisation.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that's the, again, the wanting the answer. Like, how should we do this? And it's like, well, you've got to learn along the way. And people. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. So, yeah.
0: from talking to a lot of these uh, organizations that are looking at data mesh or something similar to data mesh, what, you know, what is there anything that you think is really the biggest shift? is it just the the mental approach or is there like certain approaches that you think that the kind of old, and yes, every organization is doing governance a little differently. So it's hard to, to kind of blanket approach that, but is there any one thing that you think that people have the most trouble with or the most trouble understanding that they've got to do, even if it's not that difficult to do, or or like, is it again, the giving up control? Is it the actually teaching the domains to be, um, you know, governance smart, if not fully governance capable at the, at the start or. Yeah. I mean, one of the
1: biggest challenges I think for traditional data governance and indeed, I think for mesh will be whilst we talk about ownership in a domain level is actually getting organizations to understand and get people to actually own their data you know, that, that there is a, I think certainly in the UK, an ongoing challenge. And we see this numerous times with the clients we're we're talking to. Um, people get conceptually why ownership is important, but actually getting people to actually stand behind it and actually say, yep, I'm now accountable and responsible for this is, a, is an ongoing challenge. And whilst I think in a mesh world, it may well be easier that you've got a a customer data domain or a finance data domain it may be easier I, th- I think there's an ongoing challenge there with this kind of concept as to who who actually stands up and puts the hand up and says yep yeah, that's me i'm a, i'm a, on the hook for getting this right and i think that's that's something which we we've grappled with, with it, within the uk not really so sure whether it's something that you see in the US or elsewhere, but certainly the UK, it, it remains an ongoing challenge for us.
0: So I've, I've got a, a question that seems like it's a simple A or B answer, but I, I understand it completely isn't. Is that because people are, do you think that it's because people are simply reluctant to, or do you think it's because they don't understand or they know that they don't have the capability to do it, right? Is this a, is this a problem of People not being willing to take it on, or people not being understanding that they're not able to take it on? Um, It's an interesting one. My impression
1: is partly it's lack of understanding. And I think part of the challenge that we as professionals need to work on is obviously selling why that person is the right person to be accountable for that. But I think there's also an element of, I'm a busy guy. You know, this, this is this is bolted on to their existing job description so it's i've got all this other stuff over here that i need to do data ownership is hard and actually it's going to be time consuming and i think there's a an element of realization that you know this is not going to be an easy journey so i think it's a mixture of lack of experience but also i think organizations perhaps not freeing up the individual sufficiently to give them the headroom and we've been talking to a number of clients um, one in particular who actually had thought through the logic and actually had carved out you know an opportunity to allow owners to do what they needed to do to make this work but they're fairly unusual I think there's almost a we need to do this guys and you guys have been appointed and therefore, you know, you need to find the capacity. So I think there's an obligation both on the individuals themselves, but also the organizations involved to actually, I suppose, um, step up and accept that this can't be done on the side of a desk as we would call it in the UK.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, to me, it's, it's funny how, few organizations are really, and realigning your KPIs and your OKRs or whatever, and say like, hey, not only are we giving you the time to do this, we're we're giving you incentivization. We're giving you credit. Like, this is good for your job by doing this. It's not that this is just something that helps other organizations and that, you know, it's it's difficult when there's a domain that everybody wants their data. But if that domain isn't the one that benefits... They're not going to want to be the first guinea pig. They're not going to want to do this. So like finding the domain where it's like, hey, we have other consumers externally, but the first and biggest value consumer is yourself from your own data. So we're going to get you to a a place, a capability where you have so much value coming from this. And we're going to give you the time to not just do it but learn to do it right we're going to give you the headroom so that you can actually get up to a capability of doing this we're going to elevate you to that capability you know scott hawkins at itv talked about deploying in like these these enablement teams right to get somebody to the capability where they they understand mostly how to keep it running, if not to generate their own. And then when somebody comes in and says, okay, we need a second data product, then they, that deployment team might come back in, or they might not have to, depending on what capability level that domain has gotten to. But that then the domains are bought in because they're like, oh, I'm not going to just, it's not just thrown on my plate. It's not, you now own this. It's like, we're slowly shifting over the ownership instead of today you don't own it, own it tomorrow you do go get to work it's like hey <laughs> we understand this is complicated this is not uh, uh, absolutely yeah and and i think that's
1: one of the um challenges you know it's you know th- th- this is complex there's lots of moving parts but it, it is about going on that journey the overused phrase but um yeah i think that's one of the biggest challenges that I think, and, and also the biggest opportunity for, for data mesh, get this right. And you've got genuinely people who are owning their data and doing the things that we talk about and theorize as, as being a value and uh, getting the maximum insights. But that's not to say it's, it's not going to be hard. And I think, there's, I think organizations have got a number of um, things, direction to travel, to get to get to that point i think there are some organizations that do get that but there's an awful lot that i think are probably seeing data mesh as the next big idea and are just going to sort of almost slam dunk it and go here you go and they're going to see the same problems as they've had in the more traditional um, models of organization that um, they've been grappling with
0: yeah i think following those kind of historical patterns. Um, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. But I, I think that actually transitions well into talking about kind of, we've had people that are now, like you said, on the recruitment side, it used to be that people kind of fell into being a data steward or into data governance in general. And now we're being a little bit more intentional about it. But do you think that that might create challenges or friction to the long run, because it's people who have been doing it in X way. And so they're, they've got the scar tissue of, well, we tried to decentralize and decentralized governance in general doesn't work. Federated can, right? It's and, and it is different when you start to say like decentralized is they just kind of own it versus like, we're enabling them to own the decisions, which is the federated model. So like, how do you think about how team or how companies can build out these capabilities. Are are they are you recruiting a governance lead into each domain or are you elevating somebody in that domain? Are you are you seeing people trying to hire their way to the new governance team and everybody's trying to say, who's got data mesh experience and then everybody's doing that.
1: Yeah. No, there's a, a lot of um questions and sub questions in there, Scott. I mean that I think the what, what we're seeing um, at the Oakland Group is very much an evolution of data governance. Um, I think data mesh affords an opportunity to maybe turbocharge it and take it in a slightly different direction um, than it's previously done to your point, I mean, I fell into data governance many years ago because it wasn't the discipline that it is now, um, and therefore, a large number of people who have come to it have historically come from you know market research, marketing, compliance, and have fallen into it because it it sort of fits broadly the skill sets. I think because of the technology focus of data mesh and just data in general, what we're seeing now is a more professionalization of people coming into it from disciplines that are on the more technical front. And I think you will see both a scarcity of existing data governance professionals because they won't necessarily have the skill sets which will present a recruitment challenge, but also an opportunity for those that wanna, I suppose, learn both the technical and the non-technical side and to your point around how you actually place that at the moment we're not seeing enough maturity in the UK around data mesh deployments to see data governance professionals being deployed into individual domains it's still very much being grappled at a sort of a more central level so hmm, if we're going to do this what does that mean generically across the board going forward, that would be the obvious build out solution. But I think at the moment, we're not at that stage where people are going, right, I need a X or a Y person in, in these teams, which I think is ultimately where we're going to get to. But we're we're probably not mature enough to be seeing that at the moment.
0: And I, I'm seeing a couple of places that are starting to have, you know, Carolina Hensel was on. I've got somebody that's uh, hopefully going to be on soon that's kind of in that same um, role where they're kind of somebody who is the data enablement lead within that, and that then is is somebody that's managing quality and governance, and like that that it isn't like the governance inside the domain is more of a um, a, a responsibility instead of a role, right? And so that. Then they can go to the central governance team, but one thing you said in there was that you don't know if there's room for the old guard right you're You're somebody who's kind of the old guard and you're you're adapting, you're doing this stuff yeah. you're up the learning, but do you think that's going to create friction or or do you think like in our new world where we're talking about data culture and data literacy and upskilling, do you think those old guard are going to be? uh impediment or do you think that we can get them on the side to say like yes like we still need to do these things because it's very easy to lose sight of and and throw technology at people problems it's it's something that data loves to do it's something that software engineering uh, uh, loves absolutely to do. It,
1: it's a really interesting one i i, th- I think um there there is a, th- a real threat to my mind of the more traditional people who have come up through a particular route and a don't necessarily have the requisite skills i think there is going to be some attrition and challenge there around their ability to move into these roles i think those people that are able and willing to embrace it are going to be better placed. but i think there could be a a shakeout of the more traditional um people um which will in itself, to your point, create a bit of friction in some organizations where you might have a traditionalist versus a more you know, a radical view. And um, I, I was reflecting while she was saying that on a podcast. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was more a webinar where we ran recently with Oakland where a data governance practitioner was very much going down the route of the technology stance versus some people on that. Call who were from the more traditional background, and it was quite a controversial and fiery discussion as to people's views. So, I don't think there's going to be widespread, you know, redundancies or, you know, people being displaced, but I think there is going to be some interesting challenge and um, debate going forward as to how you morph from the old world to the new world. And I think some, some people that have. Been in that business, and and will find it uncomfortable, and might choose the, to exit the, the the industry going forward. Um, that they may be an extreme extreme view, but um, yeah, I, th- I think there will be an element of that going forward. But that said, there will be many roles that they could move into going forward. But I, th- I think I could absolutely see you know a few years out that being that being a debate uh, amongst people saying, well, do you have the requisite skills to actually fulfill the role that we need?
0: Yeah. To me, you know, I, I just, I like picking up new things and I like just trying out new things and doing that. So it's, 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 I get that people are afraid because it's like, if I don't already have this, uh, am I, am I valuable or valued or valuable here? And it's like, well, if organizations are trying to hire their way to a data mesh and it's more of a people problem than it is a technical problem, you're going to have probably uh, not a lot of success if you're just trying to hire your way because you can't refresh your entire organization. I mean, you're going you're gonna to hire in, you're going to bring in new people and they're going to upskill people. But you, you also, the institutional knowledge, the subject matter experts of how you actually do business You want to upskill those people if you can, even if it if it takes a little bit more time than trying to hire, because getting those people up to speed, (laughs) they're never going to have the subject matter expertise. So it's it's weird to me if the organizations do it, but I see if people internally feel it. Are are you are you finding that when you're talking to other people that are in the data governance space right now, are you finding the nervousness around this? Or
1: Um,
0: I don't think so. I think at
1: the moment, um, again, I think we're we're in a an early days. I mean, I think you're you're starting to see. I think people maybe coming from more technical backgrounds into governance, which perhaps historically we've not seen. I don't, I'm not getting a sense when I talk to data governance practitioners that that oh my god, you know, my my role is fundamentally going to change. I think it's too soon. I think the realization will be as organizations start to work through the mechanics of this, the people in data enablement start prodding and poking and debating you know, the relative benefits. Um, I think you raise an interesting point around terminology because I think part of the challenge is language. I think um, if nothing else, if we can get away from the use of the term governance in the the longer term, that in itself might be useful. Governance is clearly a component, but I think calling it data governance going forward might be a a challenge. It almost needs a bit of a rebranding itself to actually move to a new environment. But um, I I think in the UK, certainly, I think it's too early to call that friction. Um, I think certain people are still... Getting their head around what what does this mean for me? What does this mean for the organisation? Um, so, I think I think next eighteen months um, to two years, I think you might start seeing those conversations. But um, let, come come and talk to me again in two years' time and compare. Let's compare notes on that.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think we we are still early days, and I think that's another thing I try and emphasise for people that are looking at data mesh that feel like they're very far behind. Because it's like, no, nobody's really that far down the pipe. Or if they are, uh, you know, uh, obviously the asylum from Flexport was on and he was like, yeah, we did it in kind of a nine month thing, but they were a thousand person type organization and they didn't go like the full vision. They were like, hey, we're, we're stopping at this because w- this is what we need. And um, so they're going to evolve over time. And I think we kind of need to give ourselves a bit of a break that we, we aren't uh, that we don't need to be full data mesh vision compliant in, in, you know, 12 months or anything like that, that it's going to take time and that you're also not, you're never going to be done. Right. That's the whole point yeah, of, ab- it's
1: absolutely like,
0: as as a person, are you, are you done evolving or are you, you know, th- those are the, the few people who are do- doing that. They're kind of given up on, on, you know, kind of, living life they're like I'm just done. Uh, yeah,
1: abso- absolutely and yeah and, that, and that's part of the challenge and i think anybody that wants to get into this space you know is naturally you know an inquisitive and um Challenged person, so I'm, I'm sure there will be some some fallout, in much in the same way that I think you you see that in in any type of discipline. And I think th- I think there will be in the short term a bit of a a skills shortage for those people that have the blend of skills. But longer term, I think people will get the need to embrace. Uh, a number of different components to be successful in this space and and, and that's that's going to keep the recruit, recruitment market you know lively and uh, involved as, as as well
0: yeah exactly yeah and i know I, I see like uh in the uk kyle winterbottom is always talking about the <laughs> recruitment market is always pretty lively and stuff. Yeah, absolutely um yeah
1: I, I i'm sort of stalking i think Carl at the moment um he's i've been uh, on a couple of sessions and listen to him on a few but yeah carl is uh, very thought provoking on this and is probably the the thought leader in in this space but um yeah i mean the, at the end of the day you know all roles should be you know challenging and evolving as well otherwise otherwise they will get very tame and it'll be a sad state of affairs if we continue to do what we do now as we did 10 years ago etc so you know it's that that's part of the excitement of doing what we do
0: yeah exactly so um what you know, we've kind of talked to, uh, about the uh turning is this a u-turn or is this uh you know in a car or an, uh aircraft carrier but like i really did want to spend some time on that are the central governance teams ready to do this and you said it's kind of a a yes and no like there are certain central governance teams that are able or are willing to give up some of this control but like, it it again can't just be shoving it onto somebody else because they don't want to deal with it anymore. How are you seeing? How have you seen this work historically about giving out that federated control? How are you seeing it work now, or how are you seeing it not work? Like, what what can teams? Yeah, it's not. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I, what I would say is what, you, what you're what you
1: seeing at the moment is very much because the central teams are also the custodians of the knowledge and the insight. They're the ones that are actually driving this agenda. So, uh, you know, we, we have a phrase, um, Turkey's voting, voting for Christmas. Am I seeing, you know, the central team actually flat putting their hand up to say hey we we are voting to get rid of ourselves because actually we're going to decentralize everything so it's is an interesting sort of contradiction that we we are seeing at the moment whereby the central teams are the ones that are driving the agenda but in the knowledge that almost that introduces its own contradiction because the central team if they take it to its logical conclusion won't exist anymore because all of this will exist in the, in the federated world, the reality is it's not going to be as straightforward as that. But um, I think that's an inherent sort of challenge, but is a necessary sort of challenge in order to get this kick-started. So I think most of the people that are leading this thought process are the central teams, but with a view that the way they organise themselves going forward is going to be a very different beast to probably what they're current, currently used to.
0: Yeah, I'm seeing that the ones that really get it are saying, I get to not have to make the day-to-day decisions that are important, but I don't have the context to make. So then I'm spending most of my time getting that context instead of enabling the people with the context to make those day-to-day decisions. And I get to focus on the big, big value add at the organizational level decisions And that's where it's a question of fear and control and things like that. But it sounds like what you're saying is the ones that are leading it kind of get that long-term vision and they're saying, hey, we're going to seed out more and more of this stuff because then this means that we can focus more and more of our time on the things that actually really matter instead of kind of these CYA things or these day-to-day things where... I have to learn way too much to make a simple decision versus if I can teach that person, you know, I'm either having to constantly fish and feed all of these people in all of these domains instead of just teaching them all how to fish. And then when you want to go and, uh, you know, do like the huge sport fishing or whatever, you know, you want to do like a swordfish or something that's like a you know thousand pound fish. Yeah, we're not asking the domain with the simple like little rod to go <laughs> catch a thousand pound fish, but like, I get to focus on the kind of bigger thing or, a, you know, whatever analogy you want to use around food or, or anything like that. Yeah. But that's what, what it feels like the ones that are really getting it are okay with of like, I know that, at, that there is something bigger and we're going to find that, but it's okay to seed out some of the, the stuff right now. Are, are you finding that people are, are, looking at that long-term picture are you finding that people are just kind of like it's there and i don't know what it is but it's fine
1: yeah no no, absolutely and i think that is a number of what you've described there and i love the food analogy and i'm going to use that one again going forward um but um yeah those people that are seeing the longer term vision this is all about getting this communicated out to those teams so that they can actually do do the heavy lifting and, and those sorts of things. And those that are embracing that are in a far better place. Um, for sure, there's still, I think, people in the central teams who are trying to do all of it. Um, but I think that those that are actually seeing the benefits of this, this is all about... Educating and training out and training out those individuals to do all that heavy lifting, which enriches their roles and responsibilities accordingly. So I think you're seeing a mix depend upon the maturity of the organization as to how how they are seeing this being taken taken forward.
0: Yeah, it's it's I'm interested to see how more and more organizations are doing this, but most aren't really talking about it. They're keeping it pretty close to the vest. Because
1: Yeah, and I, and I think that's one of the challenges that we see that um, unless we are working with a client who's doing the data mesh thinking, people are keeping a lot of what they're doing fairly, you know, quite rightly, you know, so close to their chest because commercially, you know, they don't want to be, you know, share, sharing their, their thoughts um processes with with the competition at this stage so i think there's there is a challenge that is difficult to actually see behind who's doing what and really getting into the nuts and bolts of it but i think that will come as more and more organisations come on board with the thought process but you know that that's not peculiar to this particular discussion it's you know it's common across you know competitive you know environments and commercial environments that people quite rightly are keeping things close to their chest
0: The funny thing is when I have those conversations, that's not the reason people aren't talking. They're embarrassed as to where they are. And it's like everybody is embarrassed as to where they are because everybody feels they should be, you know, I, I like to use the baseball because there's innings, right? There's nine innings. And so it's not just like two halves or even quarters. And most of the people are in maybe the top of the second or the bottom of the second inning, right? So, you know, there's nine innings and it's split into top and bottom. So there's 18 sections. So number, the top of the second is the third out of 18, maybe bottom is four out of 18. And everybody else thinks that everybody else is, you know, in inning six or seven or whatever. And you talk to the ones that are even the leading ones and they're like, we're in the third, maybe the fourth inning, right? Like we, we've we figured out how to do some of these aspects, but we're still really fine-tuning it. We're still bringing on most of our domains to actually understand how to own any data. And then we're working more and more how to uh, leverage it at the organizational level. I'm, I'm writing up a, a thing now about shifting from phase one to phase two, phase one being we're deploying out, we're doing data products that are only designed to a specific use case versus phase two is like, we're shifting towards the suite of data products kind of concept. And that suite of data products, everybody who's in uh, phase two says, I wish I had spent more time in phase one, focusing on phase two. But if you don't spend enough time focusing on phase one, you don't show enough value and you don't get to phase two. So like, the the kind of what what i'm talking about here is just like what what we're seeing is people aren't sure and people need to be a little bit more comfortable even if it's behind closed doors exchanging information with each other simply because Everybody's trying to figure it
1: out. <laughs> yeah. No. It's, uh, no. It's uh, really interesting, and uh, yeah, there, I, I think there is this element that um, people, uh, yeah, are are embarrassed. Um, but um, I think you guys are probably in a, a m- more of a mature state than perhaps the UK. And uh, again, it it depends who you talk to. I think on some of these things.
0: I I think it's it's funny because. I find a lot of people in the UK that are part of a large organization, a large international organization that really get it. And it seems like there's a lot of really smart people around governance, especially in the UK. That seems to be a very, very big thing there. Um, So it's, it's, it's funny, but yes, it's, if there's kind of purely UK companies, it's, it's one where, well, although the US, I think the ones that, that are actually really the leading are, are kind of mainland Europe instead of, the US, there's very few in the US that are really kind of far along. But um, so so one, one thing that we, I wanted to, to kind of wrap up around is the idea of uh, kind of shadow data mesh, right? Like, when you start to look at how you see teams evolving this from a governance standpoint, that people can't do this on their own, they can't, you know, a, a domain can't just split off and do this, because, you know, that's, that's not going to work. But When you are working with a domain, we do have to do that incremental, but are you seeing that people are kind of just unleashing that domain to go and and again, just the CYA and then just add value? Or are you saying like, hey, we've got these 50 things that are in place. You should leverage at least 30 of these. Here are the 30 you should leverage so you don't have to rebuild these capabilities yourself. Or like, are you seeing people want to test, have we really been doing this?
1: The clients that I've certainly um, spoken to and have visibility of, there's very much a mindset of test and learn and proof of concept. Um, I'm not aware. Just think about anyone that's gone into the let's just crack on and do this. There's a very strong culture of hey, let's you know do do a small piece over here and test one or two things and check that that works before we move on and that and that that. And again, it may it may be a UK thing, but certainly we see a very strong ethos of that. And certainly last week we were chatting to a couple of clients, and that that was very much the the mindset that they they had. Um, which again comes full circle, I think, back to you know the point that you know, hey, this is, this is a hard, this is complicated, and if you do this right, this is seismic shifts. You know, you can't afford to you know set set cast off and. Uh, Assume that, you know, it's all, all going to be rosy. Uh, corporate businesses, I think, are a bit too cautious to um, jump in in, the, in that way. And uh, and that's not to say I, I don't think there won't be other organizations coming forward that might take that more strategic and, hey, let's jump in with both feet. Uh, but at the moment, we're, we're certainly working with clients who do test and learn and iteration and uh, reflection before they um, move to the next step.
0: I have one last quick question, which is a single uh, choose between the words. Do you think it's more of seismic or do you think it's tectonic, right? Because tectonic is at the scale, but it's, I mean, maybe it's not, (laughs) you're going to move, you know, Australia, I think is moving like uh, a foot a year, right? Maybe not tectonic, but like seismic is, is, you think of it as like an earthquake and it's a sudden shift. And, and it is a drastic shift, but like, do you think we almost need to even come up with a a different phrasing around it so it doesn't feel as sudden to people, but they, they get that they have to do a big, big change? Yeah.
1: Great question. And uh, I suppose wearing my... I, I came from a geographical, geological background, so the whole concept of tectonic plates is a great one. And, and, and you're right. I mean, I think this is... A shift and the outcome you know from a tectonic point of view is material because you're going to end up in a different place but um i, I actually think you know you're, you're right the concept of tectonic might be a more apt phrase than seismic because it's seismic volcano and it literally spews out and you know you you're, you're in a different place and i don't think it's probably going to be quite like that so um yeah maybe tectonic Tectonic, if I can spit it out, Scott, is a, is a better apt uh, way of describing what, what we're actually talking about rather than it being a you know, volcanic eruption and us landing in a different place from where we are at the moment, which which might well be the case. But the way in which we get there is going to be on a, on a on a continent that's moving apart from the other one, not not through virtue of uh, spewing out the top of volcano. So uh, I, li- I like the analogy.
0: Well, and, and, you know, when you think about the plates rubbing against each other, that causes earthquakes and that causes that there is friction there. There is there's going to be sudden bouts of friction. But um, anyway, uh, I I like to get into certain things like that because a lot of people really like to very specific no, it's, good. it's
1: really good it's a great analogy and yeah very thought-provoking
0: so um we covered a whole heck of a lot is there anything we didn't cover that you wanted to or any way that you'd want to kind of wrap up the episode
1: um i think we've covered a lot of ground today and i'm more than happy you know just to, to pause there i think there's nothing that i don't think we've covered that i want to go into more detail on
0: Okay. Awesome. And uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of folks that would love to follow up with you. Where's kind of the best place to do that? Uh, do you have anything specific you want them following up about?
1: No, um, would love to engage with all those people that are out there in terms of data pr- practitioners. The, the best way is to con- Connect with me on LinkedIn, as, as Andrew Sharp, um, through through the LinkedIn, right? Or reach out on LinkedIn, you know, drop us a line, drop us a message. You know, that is a great way to communicate. Or we also have the Oakland website where people can uh, post mess- messages and content. But uh, what I would say is reach out to me through LinkedIn um, uh, and I will respond to you, you know, and we can uh, kick some ideas around.
0: Awesome. And I'll drop links to that in the show notes. So makes it easy for folks. Um, but again, Andrew, thank you so much for taking the time today. I uh, really appreciated it. And thank you as well, everyone out there for listening. No, Thanks very much, Scott. I'd again like to thank my guest today, Andrew Sharp, data governance lead at the consulting company, The Oakland Group. You can find a link to his LinkedIn as well as a blog post he did about data mesh in the show notes as per usual. Thank you. Hopefully that interview episode was really useful for you. Please do consider getting in touch with guests from the show, from these episodes. Most have said they'd really love people to reach out to them. And please, as well, if you've got a minute, rate and review the podcast somewhere. It really is honestly super helpful for other people looking into kind of data podcasts to kind of get this in front of them. Data Mesh Radio is again provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It's produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. In April of 2023, I left DataStax, who were wonderful in getting the data mesh community stuff started, so give them a shout for streaming and real-time AI needs. But I left to start my own industry analyst kind of information-as-a-service firm. Our offerings are affordable, and you can do them on a one-off or a month-to-month basis. You know, read, kind of, throw it on the credit card. Don't worry about like going through purchasing and things like that. The services include lots of practitioner roundtables, you know, one-on-one data mesh kind of planning or feedback sessions and tailored introductions to other data mesh practitioners that are focused around your topics of interest. You know what, what are you actually running into challenges with? We also have some free programs around introductions and roundtables that people can kind of check out as well. Check the show notes or just go to datameshunderstanding.com for more info or helpful resources. As always, if you have suggestions for guests or topics, please do get in touch as well. And have a wonderful rest of your day. Now, let's hear that funky outro music.